0: Sixty degrees, three hundred and sixty degrees, three hundred and six, three
1: hundred and sixty and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by apprentices and graduate apprentices of the First Voice Media Program, broadcasting from right here in occupied Olone Territory, known to settlers as Berkeley, California. I'm your host, graduate apprentice Zakiya G.E. Capehart. Tonight's show is all about reparations. We will discuss the problems and some of the benefits. On tonight's show, we will hear from Jahaha Ra, Amin Ra, Akebalan Mayat, of the West Coast Chapter of Encobra, Nefertina Asatawa Abrams, a visual anthropologist, and David Rice of Reparations Now. We will talk about the reparations debt America owes to black Americans and hear about the economic, social, and psychological impact this debt has had and continues to have on the descendants of Africans that were enslaved here in America. We will also hear and talk about some of the benefits of reparations. Stay tuned. Again, welcome to Full Circle, a show produced, engineered, and hosted by apprentices and graduate apprentices of KPFA's First Voice Apprenticeship Program. Tonight, we look at reparations from a historical perspective. 13.2% of the US population, or roughly, 42 million people identify themselves as African-American according to the 2013 U.S. Census Bureau numbers. Historical adversity, which includes slavery, sharecropping and race-based exclusion from health, educational, social and economic resources, translates into socioeconomic disparities experienced by African Americans today. Tonight, we are joined by three reparations activists to discuss how reparations will play a vital part to ensure the stability for Blacks in America. To discuss this, we are now joined by our guest, Jahaha Ra, Amin Ra, Akabalan Mayat who is a community labor union and environmental justice organizer, as well as long time pan-African leader in our movements for independence, reparations, and liberation. He is also an author of several books, composer, musician, artist, and designer. Jahaha Ra, Amen Ra, Akebalan Mayat, welcome to Full Circle.
2: Well, first, uh, let me say uh, thank you, uh, Asante Sana, um, Mama Zakia, for inviting us to Full Circle this evening.
1: Let's get right into the conversation. Is the lack of economics for African Americans directly related to issues around reparations? and the enslavement of Black people here in America? Can you talk about that?
2: Reparations, uh, and and let me just give some uh, context here. We're dealing with um, over 500 years here in in what is now called the Americas. 500 years of um, crimes against humanity, of of forced kidnapping, of war, uh, of imprisonment, of uh, enslavement, brutal and torturous enslavement of apartheid and continuing crimes against our humanity. And so reparations, uh, if we look at it uh, in context of crimes against humanity, reparations are an internationally accepted principles and practices and processes which can provide some recognition of redress for and restitution to victims of these crimes against their humanity perpetrated, in this case, by the 13 colonies and what became the United States of America. And furthermore, if I may say this, that reparations, uh, as I apply it to African people, are divine acts which can cleanse and purify our, our spirits, our consciousness and our societies from past and present ignorance and abuses. Uh, We have suffered so much, and so reparations, and let me add that the root word is very simple. It's about repair. It's about healing. It's about self-determination, and so reparations uh, is the cure to to all of these ills that our people have suffered in these lands, in these indigenous occupied lands uh, for over 500 years. Okay, thank you.
1: Thank you so much for that response. For the Jahihara. So this will definitely deal with the lack of financial security, the, the fear and commitment to one another that we have, the lack of self-knowledge and the issues in the community, the hopelessness that we have to uh, be able to uh, actually receive reparations and to be able to, to pull ourselves up from the bootstraps of, of where we are today. Absolutely. So, another issue that um, that I think is extremely important is has to do with the uh, the wholesome eating, the nutrition habits that our people have, and um, and this relates very directly to the economic issues that reparations I feel could help uh, repair. Would you like to speak a little bit about that? In your experiences.
2: Yes, uh, when we put it in in context, we've been robbed of everything. Uh, we've been robbed of, uh, of course, we were kidnapped and 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 enslaved in in, in lands that were foreign to us, uh, without land. And even when we acquired land, uh, and I could just mention my own family, for example, uh, my grandfather is on both sides uh, in the state of of Arkansas. Uh, had land, got land, and that land was, was stolen from them. And so our family had to go back into uh, sharecropping. But we've been uh, given uh, the worst food. We've, we've basically survived uh, with the worst food, with the worst conditions, with the worst health and, and care, and gotten away as well, uh, uh, disconnected from all of our, our, our means of survival that we developed and evolved over many uh, centuries on the continent of al Africa. And so reparations is, is another uh, way to, to begin healing that, to begin uh, that process of getting the land back, of getting uh, re-knowledged, if you will, to, uh, to, to the best practices, to healing practices. Uh, for example, I've been uh, through my my own personal development. I'm I'm a vegan of 35 plus years, and so I don't maintain that that everyone has to do that. But uh, with with the contamination of the food source, not only here in in what's called the United States, but around the world now, uh, we we have to be conscious uh, of what we eat and what we drink everything's been contaminated uh by the uh corporations and and with the aid of the governments the the federal state and local and so we've basically been poisoned and so um i think that that's that's part of our reparations as well getting getting the knowledge uh of what's best for us to eat and drink as well as receiving land, fighting for land and fighting for clean water and fighting for other safe uh, environmental practices uh, that can aid us all. Mm. Thank you. Thank you for that
1: response. Yes, I, I, I see you know food, you know, good food as being the first line of defense for our people. Our health is our wealth that's all true well and if we can't be healthy through nutrition then you know what else is there so that that um i thank you for speaking so directly to that for the jahahara yes so here i would like to ask you about community radio in your opinion why do you think it is it is important to support community radio which is what we're doing today you know this kpfa is a community radio station and we're here because of the community, because the community holds us up and um, has kept us going for what, 71 years, I believe it is now. Uh, so yes, so how do you see community radio?
2: Well, it is uh, a gift of the divine to, to all of us and to our movements. Uh, I'm a longtime supporter of uh, KPFA, uh, even prior to moving to the Bay Area, and have had the opportunity to participate on many uh, shows um, um, even before moving here uh, the first time in 1995. And KPFA, uh, the whole Pacifica network, as well as the affiliates and uh, other community radio as well are just gems for us because they give us a way to not only communicate and to share our views without commercial interruption, but also um without uh uh censorship. Uh and so we're able to to share and discuss and to uh also organize and that's that's the key point to organize uh action uh, people's action collective action that you know uh supports our struggles and uh help, helps us uh, build even broader movements. And so uh, I always encourage folks to be uh, a, a supporter, contributor, volunteer uh, to uh, our community radio stations, the Pacifica network in particular, um, and to uh, here in the Bay Area to uh, KPFA. And I'm, I'm just uh, thrilled uh, that uh, KPFA is, is uh, having this discussion this, this evening.
1: Okay, thank you so
2: much for that, Brother Jahahara. Um,
1: could you please uh, let people know how they can contact you?
2: Yes, um, I'm I'm here, of course, in in the Bay Area, uh, uh, still doing planning for uh, possible repatriation to the African uh, uh, continent uh, when it's due time. Let me say I'm also a life member and past national male co-chair of our INCOBRA, our National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America. And I'm also uh, temporarily serving as the acting West region representative of of INCOBRA. And folks can reach me at INCOBRA, that's N-C-O-B-R-A West, W-E-S-T, at gmail.com. Again, West at gmail.com.
1: Okay. Well, again, that was the voice of Jahahara Amin Ra Kabbalan. Uh, forgive me, my brother, for
2: quoting your name. It's all good. That's a part of reparations as well to, uh, uh, to relearn our names and our languages. Ashe.
1: Thank you. Yes, uh, my native language. Our native languages were taken from us. Thank you for understanding. Again, that was a voice. Of Jahahara Amin Ra Akebalan Mayat. He has been our first guest tonight. Thank you again for joining us. Now we'll have a short music break, then we'll be right back.
3: Get up, stand up, stand up for your right. All right. right.
1: Welcome back to Full Circle here on 94.1 KPFA. You just heard Get Up Stand Up by Bob Marley. We've been talking about reparations for black people in America with our guest, Jahahara Amin Ra Akebalan Mayat. Our next guest is Nefertina Asatawa Abrams. Nefertina Asatawa Abrams is a visual anthropologist from Oakland, California. She is currently working on a documentary entitled Slavery and Reparations in the 21st Century from the cotton and cane fields to Ferguson. Welcome and thank you for joining us on Full Circle, Nefertina Asatawa Abrams.
4: Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, you're very
1: welcome. So I, I would like to begin to, and ask you to tell me how you define, think of, um, you know, what is your um, thoughts about, you know, reparations?
4: Well, for my part, reparations is simply, it's justice. It's uh, correcting a wrong. It is atoning uh, for damage. It's it's an attempt to repair something that has been destroyed through direct action. So that is what I consider reparations, restoration.
1: Okay, beautiful. Thank you. So would you talk... Um about the debt America owes the descendants of Africans who were enslaved here
4: in America. Absolutely. So we know that we live in a capitalist nation where money or the lack of money will directly affect your outcome in life. Uh, Your ability to enjoy life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness will directly be affected by money especially in a capitalist nation. Um, I'm just going to give, uh, some quick facts. Uh, the conservative estimation of financial loss from the unpaid labor and the lack of generational wealth to the descendants of the enslaved Africans is estimated at 20 trillion U S dollars in 2020 standards. Wow. Right. Now, Let's compare the median wealth in 2021. White families enjoy a median wealth of 110,700 US dollars. While in contrast, black families have a median value of under $5,000.
1: That is incredible.
4: Right, we should understand that the wealth gap today is still as wide as it was in 1968 when Martin Luther King Jr was assassinated.
2: Mm.
4: 50 years after civil rights legislation was signed and Jim Crow was allegedly toppled, social and economic inequality still remains a bedrock of American society. Mm. Now in our case, this is because our enslaved Ancestors and us as their descendants, um, we have this legacy where our ancestors built wealth for others while they were deprived of obtaining and passing down wealth from themselves. And it isn't just slavery that I stand on that reparation needs to be paid for. It needs to be paid for Jim Crow as well as all the behaviors after Jim Crow allegedly was toppled by civil rights. Cause we still had redlining, um, denial of home loans, denial of business loans, tracking into, um, neighborhoods where there was no financial investment made it. In fact, uh, the finances were pulled away and shifted to the suburbs. So there's a lot, of uh, restitution that needs to be paid in terms of reparations to repair the uh, social and economic injustices that we've been experienced for uh, over 400 years and counting.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you for that.
4: So I, I would like to know, what do
1: you think is the, the real reason that Black people here in America
4: continue to be overlooked and denied reparations? I would say greed is one Um, American society, the people who run American society, the people who benefit most from this racial hierarchy are too greedy and selfish to uh, address the wrong that has been done to African descendants specifically because it has been addressed with other groups regardless of where where anyone might say, well, what they were given wasn't enough, and that's not the point. The point is that the indigenous people of this land were addressed monetarily with uh, reparations. The Japanese who were interned unjustly were addressed with reparations. Um, We all know that the Jews were addressed with reparations, not only by the Germans, but also the U.S. government has been supporting Israel for, uh, um, I don't know, probably as long as I've been alive. So, and let me say this, in terms of slavery, the United States of America, is not against reparations for slavery because they gave it to the slave owners. Lincoln signed uh, the the Compensated Emancipation Act April 16th of 1862, which allowed slave owners to file a claim in order to receive financial compensation for the slaves they they would lose when the slaves were emancipated. Um, Let me give you an example of what that looked like in real time. Okay. So what would happen is owners would file a claim on their property uh, requesting a particular dollar amount. The government would then use slave traders to examine said property and to uh, determine a value the government would be willing to pay the owner. So I'll just, uh, for an example, $1 million back then was paid to the owners of about 3,000 enslaved Africans. Now that $1 million is the equivalent of $25 million in today's monetary market. This happened in Washington, DC, and this was done uh, prior to, it was nine months prior to Lincoln signing the Emancipation Proclamation. So now you have slave owners receiving millions of dollars. These are all white people who are doing this, who are receiving this money, this reparations for losing their property. However, the property being the enslaved Africans received nothing and they were freed into a state of complete destitution. Now, freeing them in that condition allowed them to be preyed upon by the same people who had once enslaved them because then they um, created vagrant, Vagrancy laws. So when they freed the enslaved Africans in destitution, they gave them nothing, no money, no land, uh, nothing. They only had what they were wearing. Some of them didn't even have shoes. This put them in a vulnerable position to be preyed upon by, you know, anyone, including former owners who were who put them back into, um another form of slavery by saying okay you come back and you work for me which became what we know as sharecropping which they could never get out of that situation because they would always have this bill that was bigger than anything they made so um even after emancipation our ancestors were still being economically exploited and victimized and so um you know there's a there's a lot to be answered for and only economic redress is going to be able to do that because as i stated before when you look at the uh, racial wealth gap it's directly related to slavery it's directly related to slavery white people were allowed to pass down money generation to generation to generation uh, African Americans could not do that, even when they would manage to um, get somewhere uh, like Green, Greenwood, if you uh, Black Wall Street, they called it. Even when we would Im- imagine to amass money on our own through our own intelligence, talents, and hard labors, um, uh, whites would come and destroy it. They would come and destroy it. And so... You know, time and time again, we have been economically and socially oppressed and repressed. And so only economics is going to uh, redress it properly like it has for every other group. The only reason why it is not done to us is because apparently we are still viewed as less than three-fifths of a human. Because that's the only reason.
1: Okay. Okay. Thank you thank you so much for for all of that uh Nefertina I was going to a- ask you about uh, the uh plantation slave owners you're receiving reparations but you came right in and and answered that for me appreciate so um I would like to uh to ask you um about community radio yeah you know, how do you think of community radio which is how we' are broadcasting because of the love of our community um, the, that we are able to allow our stories to be told by each other and hear the real story as opposed to hearing the story that the New York Times or whatever newspaper uh, or radio station that has commercials wants to tell. we can we can actually hear the truth here. And so, um so yes, I would like to know what you think about community radio.
4: I think that, uh, community radio is vital because the people, the people have to have a way of communicating, of receiving knowledge that isn't filtered by, um, an agenda that is actually against them. They need to be able to have a voice. Um, I'm a, a huge, um, follower and respecter of the African oral tradition. That is what I use even in my work as a filmmaker. I believe that the people should be the one to tell their own stories. So I am a big fan and supporter of KPFA. And I think that it is very important as a community that we have an outlet like this to inform us, to give us a voice of our own. Um, We have to have that. The people have to have an alternative, you know, so, um, it's, it's vital. Absolutely.
1: Can you please, uh, give out your contact information and, and please, uh, include your upcoming documentary, uh, in that?
4: Well, you know, I don't, I'm not really contactable. If you, if you really put it like that, I, I, um, I, I'm kind of a person that keeps a bit of a a low profile I am however I am working on this documentary which has been a labor of love for many years so um, anyone who would be interested in 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 viewing that I have a a short clip about eight minutes on YouTube um, and it If you put the title in actually, which is quite long, I know that um, uh, you can come up with it. The title is slavery and reparations in the 21st century from the cotton and cane fields to Ferguson. And the reason why I made that title is because um, I was in the Caribbean, I was in Barbados doing some research on my family and our our the way that we came here I was tracing us backwards from the Americas through the Caribbean and back to um, Africa. And so while I was doing this, I was on sugarcane plantations and you know um, going through a lot of heavy materials, standing on auction blocks and all kind of, Really deep stuff and I remember the situation broke out in Ferguson where the young black man was killed by the police and the Community rose up, and so I start drawing all of these connections and just seeing that. The oppression that we still go through uh, the devaluing of our lives um, treating us as less than human as anyone else um, is all tied to the original sin of this country, which is slavery. And so that's how I came up with with the. um, Title because you know we picked cotton and we cut cane and we dyed indigo fabric, and, and we did a number of many things that built this empire here in America. Absolutely. And so, for doing all of that for suffering for the lynchings you know, for breaking our families apart. You know, a lot of people like to say derogatory things about African-Americans and our family structure, but what was done to us to put us into this condition because we didn't put ourselves into it. So that's my title um, and even the documentary itself seeks to interrogate all of these issues and find these connections for the outcomes because I'm a person that always wants to know why and how and who and when. Okay. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> Beautiful. So, Nefertina, you are on Facebook, is that correct? I am on Facebook. Okay. So folks can uh, message you there?
4: Uh, they they absolutely can. Um, yes, you'll find me under Nefertina Abrams. That's N-E-F-E-R-T-I-N-A, A-B-R-A-M-S.
1: Okay. Well, once again, thank you. That was the voice of Nefertina Asatawa Abrams. She has been our guest tonight. Thank you again for joining us. Now we'll have a short music break. Then we'll be right back.
0: could break all the chains holding me I wish I could say all the things that I should say say i loud say I'm clear for the whole round world to hear I wish I could share all the love that's in my heart keep us apart I wish you could know what it means to be
1: Welcome back. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Full Circle on KPFA 94.1 FM in Berkeley, produced by members of the First Voice Media Apprenticeship Program. The song you just heard is entitled, I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free by Nina Simone. I am your host, Zakia G.E. Capehart. We've been talking about reparations for Black people in America with our guest, Nefertina Asatawa Abrams. Our next guest is David Rice. David Rice founded Reparations Now on Facebook in January 2021. Known as Pastor David, he is happily married for 42 plus years. He and his wife have two children and six grandchildren. Pastor David was the senior pastor and founder of Christ the Hope Bible Church in Marietta, Georgia. Welcome and thank you for joining us on Full Circle, David Rice.
5: It's a pleasure to be here, and it's uh, awesome to follow Nina Simone. Uh, <laughs> I feel so uh, special and honored to hear your voice, Sister Zakia.
1: And that's a wonderful thing, you know, nothing like um, wisdom, you know. So we are uh, definitely... Uh, in honor of that always. So, David, can you begin by telling us about your organization, uh, Reparations Now?
5: Yes. Uh, The main thing I want to start with is, if you'll notice, it was founded in January of this year. Um, I was moved by God uh, to make this move into social justice and activism. Um, As you said, I've been a pastor for over 20 years, and Now I've retired and I had just retired uh, two years before the George Floyd torture and murder. And when that torture and murder occurred for the world to see, it struck a chord in me. I think it struck a chord indeed in all of us. And what we saw was the world come together to reject uh, that type of behavior. But it was something we had known for over 400 years. Uh, This country has had its knees on our back and on our neck. And when that happened, it brought me to tears. And I know I'm not the only one. So, you know, I wanted to jump through the TV, but I cried out to God, God, what must I do? What would you have me to do? And that's how Reparations Now was born. And it took me uh, a year to basically bring it into fruition and we started in January 2021 of this year.
1: Mhm. So uh, so you were a pastor in um, in church for many many years. Um I heard you talk recently about being a pastor in the streets. Would you talk a little bit about that?
5: Yes, also always having a heart for the community uh because yeah, and you said in the church, yeah, I was more of a pastor in the streets. Um, I started with the homeless in my area, and we started by providing meals uh, once a week. And uh, of course, once we saw that there was a greater need, seemed like the more we provided the more the need tended to grow uh, because the word got out, and people came from far and near. And then we were able to take, we were blessed to take that ministry kind of on the road. As I said, I'm in Marietta, which is Cobb County. It's a uh, suburb of Atlanta, but we were able to go 20 miles into the city and actually feed people two times a month there in the uh, historic area of Sweet Auburn, which is where the Ebenezer Baptist Church is. Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. is buried. And so we fed and we provided uh, sanitary supplies to the women who were homeless. We were I was amazed to find out how many women, how many children uh, are homeless. Um, and we did that for about eight years. And I think it's part of the reason we ended up uh, retiring a little early from ministry because it's rewarding work, uh, but it's 24-7 and you do burn out. And so... I kind of have asked God to give me more direction, another direction, and he's given me something even bigger, which is reparations and reparations now, which, by the way, to me, the first layer of us getting reparations needs to go to address the homeless in America. I mean, there's over 600,000 that are homeless now. I don't need to tell you guys you're in the Bay Area. Uh, I've been there several times. And the homeless have become uh, an epidemic, and the percentage of uh, Black descendants of slaves outweighs any other group by probably five times.
1: Mm. Like the new norm in America, huh?
5: Well, it's a result of what we're talking about. Uh, Your two other guests, Jahahara and uh, Sister Nefertini, laid it out perfectly. Uh, we know that there are so many damages, so many results of being enslaved. I mean, imagine, imagine, I like to talk to white America, even when I get on the radio or wherever, because I know, just like when they saw George Floyd get tortured and murdered, what they were witnessing is what slaves went through each and every day for 400 years. And so when you think about that torture and that that, that those atrocities and how heinous that is. And then children were taken. And then the women were raped and children were birthed. Uh, my grandmother, my, uh, my great-grandmother was a slave from Kentucky. And so, uh, you know, I get very passionate about the numbers of homeless. And I think it uh, it should be our first obligation to get the money for the homeless first. And then the rest of us can work on getting our reparations in due time.
1: So, um, David, so I um, would like to ask you at this time, um, how do you envision the lives of Black people changing once reparations are received? And I know you answered that a little bit in part, but um, perhaps um, you can expound a little bit.
5: Yeah, and obviously uh, I want to invite everyone to be on our uh, Zoom meeting on Sunday, the 15th, I'll be able to expound probably more, and they'll hear more uh, of what's going on in the reparations movement. But the way that God has given me this message, and I truly see myself as a messenger, I, I do not necessarily have to be the voice of reparations. Matter of fact, he may have chosen someone already that's way more qualified, way more Uh, adept at it than me that's been in this movement longer, but he has chosen me to be the messenger to the leaders of reparations in America. The leaders, I think we have to change the approach based on what God is showing me. I'm going to share this and it should be so simple. If you try to go the legislative route, you're talking about 535 individuals that you're trying to convince to put in their budget that the funds should come from the American budget and the American worth and value. And you're not likely to get 535 people on the same page. Now you say, well, we only need half of those people. Well, in the Senate, there's 100 senators. You have to have at least 60. So you have a little more than a majority. And in the House, you have 435 representatives, and you would have to convince 218. So what God has showed me is we've been taking the wrong approach, and that's why it's just going in circles. What they're doing now, for example, with H.R. 40, that's just a continuation of the same discussions, uh, the same old, um, you know, debates, Because what that allows is the government to get off the hook. I think what God has shown me, the better way for us to approach reparations, is to try to convince one. If we convince one, that's much easier than convincing 535 people. I think we would all agree with that. And then who is that one? Well, people don't realize, and this is what I'm here to give a message about, the president has enormous powers in his pen, his one pen alone. This is why Abraham Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation. And even though it didn't happen right away, it had to happen because now the president of the United States had signed off on it. We must focus on that one. And I think that one is the one that's in office right now. Every president has enormous powers. They have what's called the National Emergencies Act. Do you know what that is, Zakiya?
1: Uh, I've heard of it. You can explain.
5: Well, the National Emergencies Act is what Donald Trump used to get his wall started on the border. It allows a new president to declare a state of emergency for whatever issue he deems is appropriate. And by doing so, he's allowed to divert From the discretionary budget immediately whatever funds he deems is necessary so see one person has that ability now the limitations would be the budget and the discretionary budget for example many may know that the budget for the u.s military each year is right around 500 to 600 billion dollars so what trump and his people were able to do was to divert Eight billion dollars immediately, eight billion immediately, to the southern border to build a wall, and that's what a sign of a pen.
1: Okay, so that's that's how I, uh, yeah, I you had me to recall it very vividly when that that happened, and uh, thank you, thank you for for expounding and explaining that um, very clearly. So uh, I would like to uh, ask you, David. Uh,
5: how do you think of community radio? Love it. It's necessary. Uh, I have contributed many times over the years. Obviously, having been part of the Christian community, uh, you know, community radio has been a great friend of ours because, you know, it, it's a great way for us to get the word out on no matter what we're having. Uh, it's, it's definitely a friend of the reparations movement. I want people to look up that uh, state of emergency. And the powers that i'm talking about there's an outstanding paper done on it and a research done by the brennan center b-r-e-n-n-a-n center and they lay out over 100 powers that the president has with the stroke of a pen could you imagine just convincing that one president to start the reparations trust with his pen and that's what i'm going to force uh this president to consider. And if he won't consider it, prayerfully Black descendants of slaves, which is what I think we should be called, Black descendants of slaves, should not vote for him in the next election.
1: Thank you for sharing all that, David. I so appreciate it. Can you uh, give us your contact information, please?
5: The best way to contact me is on Facebook, like you said at the opening the name of our group is reparations. Now you'll see a big green Africa. And if you're on Facebook at all, then you have messenger. You feel free to join the group. And once you join the group, you can message me easily and daily on messenger on Facebook. Once again, reparations now, and it has the big green Africa.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. So I, at this time, I would like to, uh, to know if, uh, any of my guests have last minute words, anything that they would like to share that they did not get to share, Sister Nefertina?
4: Yes, I would just like to say that, you know, the, the cause of reparations for the descendants of the enslaved Africans is actually a moral issue on the conscience of American society as a whole. I don't want it to be viewed as a problem, that the African Americans or black Americans, how, or however people choose to, um, identify themselves have. This is an issue of the whole society of America to consider it's a moral issue. It's, it's the difference between right and wrong. And so I want people to think carefully about that. I want people to look at history and look at current events and ask yourself, I don't care what your race is. If you live in the United States of America, I want you to ask yourself, why hasn't America atoned for its great wrongs against the descendants of the enslaved who built this country and were divested of wealth and the ability to generate and pass down wealth to their descendants for hundreds of years. This is why we are behind for everyone who has that question. It has nothing to do with any type of genetic issue or any other ridiculous racist notion. It is simply being denied the ability to build wealth for ourselves and pass it down. That's why we deserve reparations. We deserve reparations now. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank
1: you, Nefertina, for those last uh, words. Uh, Brother Jahara, how, did I hear yes. your voice?
2: Yes. Yes, you did. Uh, Queen Queen Mother. If, if I may, um, I'd like to say that... Uh, our current reparations movement is, is not new. It's, it's building on, in fact, um, centuries and centuries of organizing and struggle and, and, and unity uh, to fight against this the wickedness of this system that has brought so many ills upon African people and many others. And I want to um, say that that we need collective organizing and action uh to accomplish anything, to, to accomplish all of our goals. And I encourage people to join our Incobra, our National Coalition of Blacks for Reparations in America, uh, which was formed in 1987. Uh, we're, we're, we're a broad-based alliance of many different organizations with different perspectives. And you can go to IncobraOnline.org uh, to join and, and to also get more information. And so uh, we believe uh, reparations by any means necessary. So we work on the international front, we work on, on the national front, and uh, legislatively, legally in all areas. And so I say uh, Africans deserve reparations, reparations right now, and also free our political prisoners, many who were imprisoned and jailed and tortured, and still languish after decades in these jails for advocating for righteous reparations, self-defense and self-determination. And CobraOnline.org.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you. So uh, we're coming to the end of our show. I'd like, Brother uh, David, did you have any last minute uh, word? Um, you have about uh, 30 seconds.
5: <laughs> One last minute word is that uh, I'd like to thank in Cobra for being on the battlefield for so long. Uh, we've known about them for years. And in, indeed, uh, everyone should join that organization. Um, we also must remember that, you know, Frederick Douglass was the first abolitionist. Uh, and he was speaking about reparations 150 years ago or so. So no, reparations as a... a uh, An order, a demand is not new. What should be new is our approach. I think the solution is to say what we clearly can see. Black descendants of slaves are in a state of emergency. We're homeless, we're killing each other, and we are losing the wealth gap distance every year.
1: Thank you, thank you, David, for those last minute words. Um, I'd like to once again thank all of our guests for being at KPFA uh, today, tonight rather, Uh, and at this time I have um, announcements. On Sunday, August the 15th, 2021 at 10 a.m. PST time, Marcus Garvey's birthday will be honored through a panelist's uh, presentation on Zoom on the topic of reparations. The meeting ID is 828-0397-8822. The passcode is 230722. I will repeat that meeting ID 828-0397-8822. The passcode is 230722 you can find um, the link on my facebook page at zakia g e cape hart bowling z a k i y y a h g e c a p e h a r t hyphen b o l l i n g it will also be at k p f a Apprentice.org. that's k p f a Apprentice.org. So you can check it out at any of those uh, places uh, to get on the the program for Sunday, August the 15th, That's this Sunday coming. The First Voice Media Apprenticeship Program is currently outreaching for the next group of apprentices. If you feel you want to bring your voice to the airwaves to help raise your community's voice, don't delay. Submit your application right away for our winter cohort. Be sure to visit our website at kpfaapprentice.org to get your application and as soon as possible. Our executive producer is Mickey Mays. Our technical director is freewilling Frank Sterling, Joy Moore, is our production consultant our appreciation to all of you for joining us tonight on full circle i've been your host Zakia ge capehart stay tuned la una baita is next good night everyone